Hello and welcome back students to the discussion of evolution of literary movements the shapers of destiny your british history course for semester 3 in this lecture we shall be discussing edward 3 of england who reigned england from 1327 to 1377 edward 3 born to edward 2 and isabella of france ascended through the english throne at the tender age of 14 immediately after his father was murdered by his mother and her lover lord mortimer the 50 year long reign started with his mother queen regent acting in his name in the initial few years since he was under age in the initial few years he was under the shadow of his mother and her lover mortimer but in 1330 his mother and lord mortimer was banished and killed respectively by the barons of england after which edward 3 came to power on his own it is important for us to understand a background of the story right before he was ascended to the throne in 1330 let's briefly discuss the events that led up to the banishment of isabella the queen regent and the execution of her lover lord mortimer isabella and lord mortimer had joined forces and killed edward ii the previous king due to edward ii's unacceptable relationships when edward iii became the king since he was only 14 years of age automatically the mother queen isabella was selected to be the regent to rule england in his name so edward iii was made into a mere rubber stamp and queen isabella took the reign lord mortimer who was a rather domineering individual did not receive any support of the english barons due to his attitude and how his self-serving attitude with which he tried to grab the position or the title of the lord of the march was not appreciated and english barons under the leadership of henry the duke of lancaster rose in rebellion lord mortimer also murdered edward iii's paternal uncle that is edward ii's brother earl of kent when he came to search for the king the previous king edward ii in berkeley castle falsely believing that he was still alive so lord mortimer mortimer's act of executing the ex king's brother was also a topic of irk this along with isabella's support of france and france's stance regarding england's relationship with scotland did not win the people's heart so people especially the powerful people of england opposed both isabella and lord mortimer edward 1 who was meanwhile frustrated with the kind of restrictions that was imposed on him became the leader that the people wanted to have as their king queen isabella and lord mortimer was attacked in their own castle where a group of select men under the leadership of lord of lancaster had creeped into the bedroom of the queen and arrested mortimer and isabella on the charge of murdering the former king edward 2 mortimer was then hanged 
and Isabella was condemned to life imprisonment and was banished from England. So this happened in 1330 and this led to the official rule of Edward III. And Edward III, unlike Edward II, had a lot of characteristics that he gained from his grandfather Edward I who contributed much to the English history. He wanted to do everything that his grandfather could not do. He laid a particular f focus on England's foreign policy and thus he first turned his attention to Scotland, the place which his grandfather could not win. You may re revisit the conflict of England with Scotland that started from the reign of Edward I at this point before you listen to the kind of engagements that Edward III had in terms of Scottish-English foreign policy. As you might recall, during Edward II's reign, England had failed miserably at the attempt to take power in Scotland. In 1327, the Treaty of Northampton was agreed upon in Scotland and Scotland was perceived as an independent realm. In 1329, however, the leading Scottish leader, Robert the Bruce, was dead and new king, David II, who was the brother-in-law of Robert the Bruce, came into power. David II was also rather young. This resulted in power strains in Scotland, again just similar to the time of Edward I. This power conflict that happened in Scotland is around the time when Edward III got into power under the leadership of his Queen Regent and mother Isabella. So the Scottish barons who were in exile, especially their leader Edward Balliol, who was the son of a previous leader of Scotland, John Balliol, rose in power. The truth is, Edward Balliol was rather a puppet king for the Scottish barons who were in exile, but however, he came into prominent position in Scotland, after which David II, the then Scottish leader, fled to France. If you recall well, John Balliol, the father of Edward Balliol, was supported by the English crown during the reign of Edward I. And when Edward Balliol met with lack of support in Scotland, he fled to England hoping that the, grand, the grandson of Edward I and then King Edward III of England will support him. The English army fled to Scotland and did the Battle of Berwick in 1333. This was in the point where Edward III was the real king after the death of his mother and mother's lover. As he fought for Scotland in the Battle of Berwick in 1333 uh, and tried to give power to Ed Edward Balliol, he demanded, Edward III demanded the overlordship of the whole of southwestern Scotland. In exchange, Edward III won Scottish power for Edward Balliol and Edward Balliol, the son of Robert Balliol, became the Scottish king and there was a peace that was established between England and Scotland. However, the 
brother-in-law of Robert the Bruce, David II, who was now in France, who had fled to France, was waiting to gather in strength with the support of the French army. France and England had gotten a long history of conflict between them, especially since the period of Edward I's reign. During the 1330s, the causes of conflict between France and English country or England increased due to multiple areas and reasons. So the Scottish conflict primarily stands at a point where the then ruler of Scotland, David II, had fled to France and the English king Edward III wins the Battle of Berwick in 1933 and places Edward Balliol, the son of John Balliol, as the King of Scotland and in exchange for the support, the English King had been granted the overlordship of the southwestern Scotland. Parallelly, since France was deep into this conflict between Scotland and England, English and French people had conflict. Now let us involve into the areas or key concerns that led to dispute between France and England. There was pre-existing hostility between the two countries due to the disputes regarding English rule of Gascony. Gascony, as you may well recall, is part of the Norman lands, which is the source or patrimony of all the English kings since they came from the Norman stock. And also since the new French king Philip VI was supporting the Scots against their English power holding, this also created a conflict. Another point of difference was Edward's alliance with the Flemish cities who then was on bad terms with their French overlords. And there was also consistent sea fights between the English and the French ships that sailed in the high seas. These were all the point of differences that increased the hostility between the two countries, France and England. It is important that we understand in detail about Edward's alliance with the Flemish cities and the conflict that Flemish cities and France had during the time. Edward III's reign was peculiar for the development of foreign trade and the increased export of raw materials from England to other foreign countries. The wool growers of England was in most popular demand, which allowed the royal exchequer to flourish. Foreign trade and export bought a lot of extra money for the king and this was particularly important in the case of the English wool export to Flanders. Flanders was a place in Netherlands which was popular for its best weavers. Flanders is known for its majestic weaved products and the Flemish weaving community primarily relied and depended on the English wool that became their raw material. However, the aristocracy of Flanders 
disregarded the economy that was very much boosted by the wool making or the weaving and was attracted by the glam and glitz of the French court. Thus, the arist aristocracy, which is indifferent to the demands of the economy in Flanders, raised a number of objections regarding the wool trade that came from England to Flanders. This resulted in a conflict between the Flemish cloth weavers and the English wool merchants. And due to the growing conflicts, Edward III placed an official ban also known as embargo on all the exports of English wool to the Flemish countries. This meant that the most popular and the world sought after weavers of Flanders did not have any primary raw materials to work with to bring out their products of weaving. This led to an extensive economic crisis in Netherlands. However, the Flemish aristocracy, which was taken after the glam and glitz of the French aristocracy, remained indifferent to the plight and suffering of the people in their country. So people in Flanders rose in revolt under the leadership of Jacques van Artevedelt, and they reached out to the English king, their supplier of wool and primary raw materials, for support. Edward III was waiting for the chance to create a rift against France through Flanders and he supported the conflict and revolt in Flanders against the Flemish aristocracy and the French as a support to the people of Flanders and along with the importance of Flanders that English economy had because they were a huge part of the country's export and also there were so many numerous factors that fostered conflicts between France and England. Edward III was only excited to increase or to raise the level of hostility into a full-fledged war. But Edward III had a completely different important factor in going to war with France. Edward III assumed that he himself had a claim to the French throne because the previous king Charles IV died without male heirs and the closest male relative that Charles IV had was the son of his sister. And Charles IV's sister is Isabella of France, who is the mother of Edward III. So Edward III being the previous king's nephew, he believed he could have a claim on the French throne. So to spark up the conflict, challenging the power of the French king, Edward III who technically is a vassal under the French king due to their possessions in France through their Norman connection, refuses to pay his homage to Philip, the king of France. And this begins or this inaugurates the most popular hundred years of war. This hundred years of war 
is a conflict is a decades long conflict between France and England which was inaugurated in the year 1337 by King Edward 3 of England against King Philip of France even though it is named 100 years of war it is not completely continuous wars but however it is a series of wars that happened between the french and english kingdoms that led to many number of great and small battles that dragged the economic condition of both the countries for almost a century when we analyze 100 years of war in general the first half of the victory was almost always with the english while in the second half the situation reversed with french winning better competency the very first battle that was fought between france and england was set in the sea and it prevented both of the countries from putting their foot on the soil of the enemy country edward iii's attempt to invade france from the north which happened in 1339 and 1340 reduced him to bankruptcy this resulted in his decision to extract money by taxing the wool merchants in 1340 however edward iii assumed the title of king of france especially to gratify the flemish people who were fighting for the english king the conflict between france and england in the sea definitely improved england's chances because english fleet or the english navy was vastly superior to that of france because edward had a special interest in building up english fleet and to that point edward 3 was awarded the title king of sea by the parliament because of his keen interest in sea and ships battle of sluis in 1340 allowed english to take an advantage and beat back the french resistance and land in france there was also the siege of the city of tournay done by the anglo flemish army the french attempted to demoralize the flemish who was joining the english people against the conflict with france by murdering their revolt leader van artevelde in 1340 again there was a prominent advance by the english army where the army marched into the city of paris the capital of france determined to capture the capital city and the army was successful in looting and destroying everything on its way which was a complete surprise for the french people who were not expecting such an advance by the english army however french fought back and the battle of cressy witnessed battle lines being drawn but it resulted in extreme losses and suffering by the french while there it was an absolute victory for the english however the victory of cressy did not mean that edward was now declared the king of france there was conflict that continued on small scale in 1355 he obtained a substantial grant from the english parliament in order to finance the next large scale attack on france this time the campaign was led by his son 
the black prince he was also called as black prince because his armor was completely black in color the french king who had learned his lesson during the victory of cressy by the english people was not ready to be defeated yet another time so he came in with a larger army that outnumbered the english army black prince who recognized the disadvantage of numbers that the english army had decided to take an unethical route to victory by attacking the french army from all sides however his decision did yield victory to the english front and the french suffered extreme defeat at the battle of poitiers their king was captured and england received a vast sum of money as a ransom for the release of the french king the provinces of france called aquitaine and calais were captured by the english and this marked the end of the first phase of the 100 years of war and it definitely ended with the victory of english which came very clearly in the treaty of bretagne which was signed in 1360 according to which the whole of southwestern france now belonged to the english people the subsequent years saw relative peace however there were some small scale conflicts between the french and the english where the french won small victories under the leadership of du guesclin another important aspect about the reign of edward 3 is the growth of parliament that it witnessed during the time it was almost a natural process to consult the parliament on every matters of state especially when it came to granting of money for the functioning of government and financiation of military expeditions the commons the, that is the members of the parliament who belonged to neither to nobility or the clergy often felt a disturbance to share the room with the members of these separate classes this unease of the commons to share the space with the rest of the parliament members led to the formation of house of commons and they felt that the decision and discussions that they had in house of commons had to be conveyed to the rest of the lords through a spokesperson so this spokesperson who represented the opinions and proposals of the house of commons later came to be known as the speaker the speaker as you now know the present day function of a speaker is as an arbitrator of the house of commons and the other group of parliament members which was partaken by the lords and barons and prelates that came to be known as the house of lords so we understand how the present day bicameral system of parliament with a parliament with two houses house of lords and house of commons emerged in the case of indian political scenario the house of lords is what we call as rajya sabha and house of commons turned into what we call as lok sabha but it is important to understand that the functions of the parliament is not as we know now it had no control or right 
uh, to interfere in the matters of administration or government which was a monopoly of the king. However, what it did was endorse political settlements, vote for the money allocation that was given to the king and also voice the grievances of the people and make sure that the king knows and hears them. But in a historical analysis, parliament as we see now as an essential part of government and the emergence of the house of commons was the contribution or the lasting work of the 14th century. So Edward III rather had a very fruitful reign where he had a lot of successful winning. However, the last few years of his life were the ones of senility. His mental faculties were lost. But however, he did not relinquish the throne and give up his responsibilities. But however, it was understood that he was not capable of managing the country and its economy. Therefore, with the sanction of the parliament, Black Prince Edward III's son took over the government. And the parliament summoned by the Black Prince was called Good Parliament, especially because it tried to readdress the grievances of people. Parliament intended to bring out a lot of reforms so as to address the problems of the people. But, however, everything had to be abandoned and none of those reforms could be translated into reality because of the untimely death of the Black Prince. In 1375, the Black Prince passed away and the very next year, in 1376, Edward III also passed away and he was the last of the great Edwards of England. As we end our discussion on Edward III who reigned England in the 14th century, it is important to have an understanding of the two background incidents. The first one is the Black Death. The Black Death, also known as Bubonic Plague, is a pandemic that swept all over the Europe in the second quarter of the 14th century. Unlike the pandemic of COVID-19 that we are familiar with, that swept all over the world due to the globalized nature of our world right now, this pandemic of Black Death was largely limited to the continent of Europe particularly because there was very less connectivity between the different continents. Even as the origin of this pandemic is not known, the modern knowledge suggests that it is due to the lack in hygiene and sanitization. Hygiene and sanitation that led to the origin of Black Death. In the beginning of the 14th century was the worst outbreak of the plague, which led to England losing almost one-third of its population and entire Europe depriving of half of its population. By 1349, the virulence or the capacity of the plague to spread around to people had died down. However, it took years and generations for the place to recover. Just similar to the low virulence that we are experiencing, after the COVID pandemic. However, we are fully understanding that there are restrictions in place and it will take a while for us to wipe down the entire pandemic. Similarly, 
it took many years for england and europe to overcome the experiences and after effects of black death now going detail about the bubonic plague or the black death why was it known as the black death it is because the bubons or the pustules which are bulges in the human body that happened when one is infected with the plague that or left black scars on the body that is the reason why it is known as black death the person infected with bubonic plague would have huge bulges in their body which is termed as bubos or pustules and these upon reducing would leave black scars which led to the name black death like the pandemic that we are going through has a major impact on the kind of life we are having black death also had an impact in the social setup of england that changed europe forever another background aspect that you should know about is about the influence of john wycliffe and his establishing of the group called lollards john wycliffe was an ordained priest who was ordained in the holy orders who was born in a place called yorkshire and took his education in the university of oxford he was primarily a critic of the catholic church he questioned the authority of pope he criticized the greed and world worldliness of the clergy in the church and he also actively articulated against the doctrine of transubstantiation transubstantiation is a concept where we believe that upon the prayer a worldly subject will turn or transform in its essence to something divine for example in christian practice the concept of transubstantiation is particularly poignant in in the ritual of a holy mass when the priest is praying with the bread and wine to represent jesus's body and blood after the ritual of the holy mass or the eucharistic adoration it is believed that the bread and the wine changes in its essence to symbolize the blood and body of jesus christ this concept of this change in essence was challenged by john wycliffe he also put forward this concept that it is the grace of god that sustains each and every person and a man should not be given any sort of merit of his own therefore he pointed out that the clerics or the clergy did not have any merit of his own or their own to command and demand obedience from the laymen so in opposition to the distinct divisions of power that the clergy put forward during the time he formed an order of poor preachers to preach gospel of jesus among the ordinary people these 
itinerant or traveling preachers were known as lolats and their intention was to bring out the real meaning and spread the word of god in all its purity to the common people while the catholic church and the clergy attempted to distance itself from the common people wycliffe translated the bible into english and made it possible for any ordinary man with a knowledge of the vernacular language to understand the truths of bible as we know access to knowledge gives power and wycliffe by translating the bible into the common language english enabled a democratic access to bible to all the common people with his translation of bible he was known as the father of english prose and due to his capacity to criticize catholic church and call for the reformation of catholic church he is also known as the morning star of reformation we have to understand this is almost 100 years before the actual church reformation takes place so he was someone who brought about a or for argued a change before the people could even think of however the spread of by biblical knowledge and this access to the church to the common people all of that and the activities of lord lolarts were actually seen with a sense of fear by the people of the upper class the people who belonged to the landed gentry felt that all of this interaction with the lolarts and the common people led to the fomenting of social revolt which eventually led to peasants revolt so there was an attempt to put down lolatry an archbishop of canterbury officially condemned the doctrines of john wycliffe and lolats were ordered to recant from their position and if any of them refused to do so they were brutally punished and burned at stake as heretics heretics are the people who are in opposition to the church even the university of oxford where john wycliffe himself was a student there were attacks against him oxford was also actively attacked by the people who were against john wycliffe and lolatry but uh, even though at an initial support was offered after the peasants revolt the scholars of oxford were actually a little cautious around the doctrines of wycliffe there was severe buttoning down of the lolarts while john wycliffe could not be persecuted physically because he was a very powerful man with very powerful friends but he died in 1384 with unrealized dream of reformation with most of his followers that is the lolarts martyred for his concepts but the contribution that he has laid in the ideologies of oxford was never shaken later on his ideologies was spread among the students and the seeds of reformation was sown and which eventually led to the reformation movement by martin luther